want to make a podcast, let me tell you about Spotify's program for podcasters. And it's called Spotify for Podcasters. I've been using it for over a year now. Couldn't be happier from the switch. You can record wherever you create podcasts, whether it be your phone, computer, and it's easy to upload it and distribute it to everywhere podcasts are heard. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. Best of all, Spotify for Podcasters is completely free. So launch your podcast today. Get started with Spotify for Podcasters. Go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. You'll hear them say all the time, like, oh, it's too complicated or it's too hard. Right. F that. There are freaking dudes back in the vault trying to solve, like, how to take down a ring of SA-21s <laughs> fighting J-20s with no, you know, like, they have 23 minutes of fuel. Or Anyway, like, they don't yes. say to them, like, oh, sorry, sir, it's too hard. Like, they're like, freaking get it done. And then tell us why, like, you screwed up when it didn't end up going the way you want to run. Anyway, I feel like we just pushed down to us, like, just get it done. And then when we go back up. We never get the answer like we got it done. We get the answer like, oh, it's it's a complicated problem. Like PCS and <laughs> that's a complicated problem. Like screw you. Altitude. Altitude. Tower twenty six is released. You runway four left wind zero four zero at five. Clear for takeoff. Seat tied. Altitude zero eyes. We're clear for takeoff. Clear for the airspace. Fire protector. What's up and thanks for listening in. I got two guests today, Vader and Bender, both good buddies. You might remember Bender from the episode we did with Mezzer's mishap back in January, 2021. He's flying the F-35 these days. And then Vader is transitioning out of the F-16 going to the dark side to learn how to fly the tennis court, the F-15C. Initially, this podcast episode was purely just to do a quick intro of the Kodiak Shack, which is a podcast they've launched. Encourage you to check that out. Talking a lot of defense industry type stuff. But as it would happen, three fighter pilots sitting in a room or virtually in a room are going to talk about a bunch of things, which we do in this episode. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. I don't know. The choice is yours. A couple admin notes. If you're going to be up at Oshkosh, I'll be there all week. Excited to hopefully connect with a few of you out there. I know I'll be recording at least a few episodes. A lot of that's still getting lined up, but I know one for sure at AOPA on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Interviewing home. Be a chance to answer some questions from uh, those out there in the audience, should there be anyone. But home is a former Canadian demo pilot. He still flies F-18 north of the wall up there where it's really cold in Canada, as I mentioned. A few other admin notes. As always, thanks to my Patreon supporters for supporting the podcast, and thank you to all who have swung over to iTunes and dropped a rating review, and now Spotify. All that helps the podcast out. If you take a few seconds and hit like, five-star review, whatever it might be, drop the rating review, leave a comment, help the podcast grow. All right, with that being said, let's jump into the episode with Bender and Vader. Well, exciting stuff. Got uh, Vader and Bender here. For those who have been longtime listeners, you'd recognize Bender's voice because he's been on the podcast. I haven't had Vader yet, but uh, I'd kick it over to Vader because you got something new that's happening that I'm pretty excited to, to hear about and have you on the podcast. So he's an, he's an F-16 pilot who's yeah. regressing to F-15, oh, by the way. But yeah, go ahead. 
It's you, over to you, Peter. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, well, Rain, thanks for having me on. And, uh, yeah, so F-16 pilot, I went through uh, pilot training at Columbus, actually, while Rain and Bender were both yeah. FAPES there. I uh, flew with them. <laughs> we'll talk about that if we get a chance. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, we ended up flying the F-16, and Bender and I actually kind of just went, went around the world together. So uh, left Columbus for uh, Masawa after the uh, F-16 FTU or the B course. And then Bender went to South Carolina to Shaw. And then I went to McIntyre, which is yeah. right down the road. Uh, and then he went to Hill and I went to Holloman. So, uh, he left me in the <laughs> trenches, but that's all right. So, uh, but yeah, did that. And then I just separated recently and got a job out at the, uh, Fresno air national guard and, uh, gonna transition over to the F 15 C for a while. And then, uh, who knows yeah. what after that? Cause that, that plane is, Rather old. I think I saw a seventy-seven tail Jeez. out on the out on double the line. Down. Yeah, double down. Yeah, there you go. The uh, but but what we're kind of talking about today is my last about eight to ten months of the active duty uh, time. I got into the innovation space, and it's funny because you spend I mean eleven years on active duty, and somebody says, "Hey, innovation or AF works," and you've never heard of it. It's a, it's you know an, an amazingly kept secret of the of the air force and really the dod a lot of people don't even realize that the navy and the army have some uh but their programs are much smaller uh but every day or every quarter there's multiple uh what are called cibers so small business innovation research uh contracts built for thousands of companies a year and i think the program gets like 3.2 billion dollars uh to innovate to make the problems that we have today not a problem of tomorrow and yeah, exactly. Budget dust. <laughs> Budget dust. And so they, yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, but they put all this money to work by going out to the private sector and saying, Hey, we have this problem. We have a scheduling problem or we have a programming problem. Fix it. And a lot of these companies say, we already do this. Uh, it's called a dual use um, program and they use it in their own pr- uh, business and they just transfer it over modify it a little to make sense and work on our software. And then we get to use them and leverage their successes in the private sector to make us more effective. So it's yeah. a pretty cool program as it stands. The thing I found was the the most difficult part is actually getting information out. So a company that's, or a program that's putting tons of money out there and working with a ton of organizations, if you don't know where to look, you don't find anything. So the more and more I looked, the more I found out there was so many people and so many programs that anybody could benefit from. So right now, if I ask Rain or Bender, hey, what's a problem that you see on a daily basis or you saw, there's probably a program that neither none of us know about that's already in production that we could put money towards, but we don't know. So that's what the podcast is going to be about is let's give them a voice. Let's give them an opportunity to talk. Let's get people uh, getting some more exposure, not only for the companies, but for what's called the spark sales, which is each base has their own innovation hub and let them talk about their successes and kind of where they're struggling. So we can actually make this even a better uh, program and more effective uh, impacting more bases. That's really the goal of the, what's podcast. the podcast name. Uh, it's uh, Kodiak oh, that's, Shack. That's very nice sounding. Is there uh, is there some meaning yeah, behind uh, that you can share or no? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's actually, uh, it's a combination of things that we, uh, you know, you get into a fighter squadron 
And a lot of times you just get these inside jokes and these things that everybody says, and then it just becomes part of your active lexicon. (laughs) So shack is a pretty common one because, you know, you do basic surface attack and you're dropping a BDU 33. So those, you know, you guys know the smaller type bomb and all it is, is, is bombing practice. And uh, if you get within a certain distance, I always forget because I never actually get <laughs> shack. Uh, but it, yeah, <laughs> but if you get within a certain distance, they say shack, and that means you hit it, you hit right on. And so that transferred over into our normal conversation when you'd be speaking with someone, and they said exactly what the correct answer was, and you say shack. Well, then we went to Alaska, cool. and now we're in Alaska, and it's. Kodiak Street and Kodiak Bar and Kodiak Steak and whatever else Kodiak. And then so Shack turned into Kodiak Shack, uh, and that's kind of where it came from. So the squadron just would kind of yell Kodiak Shack and in different inflection and tone uh, <laughs> for the next, I don't know, 18 to 20 months. Hey, yeah, six years yeah. now. Still use yeah. it. Well, sorry, you guys got to go to Alaska all the time over there when you're at Misawa, right? Yeah. Yeah, I it mean, was great. I mean... I was like, yeah, meanwhile, the rest of us just went to Las Vegas. So good for you guys. I think, I think there was the tiers. So if you're in Yusefi, you're at the top tier, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're, we're leaving Poland for right. Stad or wherever. <laughs> and then, uh, we, they end up, you know, then you go to PACAF and then you go to Guam and you go to Alaska and you go to Singapore and Malaysia and you go to Australia, cool places like that. And then you go to the CONUS and Shaw just bounces between deployed <laughs> <Right>. locations and <laughs> like nothing good. It's called the triangle death. Hey, so this is why I literally get paid $0, but it's to weave these <laughs> topics together. Um, as I saw the day on the Instagrams, the real housewives of fighter pilots, they shared a picture. Have you guys seen this? It was of an email screen and it was from Holloman. So Vader, I'm leaning on you because we're talking innovation and there's a problem. Yeah. Uh, the email was from, TMO, the logistics people, for those listening, don't know, from moving. And it said there was no more availability to do moves like the entire summer, which happens to be the busiest like move season, unless I've missed something. Uh, so it recommended doing personal ditty moves, the do-it-yourself moves. Um, have you, you're moving right now. Have you, have you seen this? Are you got everything lined up? Yeah. we. Uh, so it's funny. This, is, this was not a pop-up uh, email or a surprise to anybody who's been in the PCS process or permanent change of station process in the last four or five months. So in April, no, sorry, uh, March, in March, I was trying to schedule my move for June. And they told me after May 6th, we cannot ensure you will actually get okay. movers. So I said, May 6th it is. So I ended up going on terminal <laughs> leave longer just to ensure I got movers. The really unfortunate part is people will, uh, some people were given movers and given moving dates. And then weeks before the movers are supposed to arrive, they say, hey, we actually don't have any movers for you. So they they scheduled it, but they didn't actually get them. So uh, super unfortunate. And and I get it, you know, unintended consequences. We move, what, 80% of our military members in the summer now and the industry around it can't support the fact that we all move at the same time. So, uh, yeah, a lot of people uh, will sadly end up just going directly to the company, and the company says, oh, yeah, we can support. And they have people available. But for whatever it is, you know, it's like those military 
flights, you know, only specific seats can be for military. Maybe it's only specific moving days can be for the military moves. But when you go just as a person, you can get movers. So it is an odd problem, but it is definitely a problem. It's got to be a, I mean, that's a contracting thing, which if there's availability and manpower to actually do the move, then like that should be a non-factor. You would think it, you would. I think that's that's Peter's what we. Peter's not salty enough. I'm that's pretty salty we, about hearing this. It doesn't even affect me. <laughs> well, that's I just I yeah I just the the sad thing was you know I when I was a captain I was uh, I just left Misawa extremely bu- busy ops tempo. I mean I was there for I think 36 months and 19 months I was not in Misawa uh, because we were deployed or spinning up to deploy or in Korea or wherever else. So extremely busy. And then I go to SOS as I come back to the States and I'm pretty salty at that point. (laughs) And I keep getting told when I complain about the problems, people just say, Hey, that's just the way the air force is. And it's so frustrating because it's just, it's, it's like, it's a foregone conclusion that we can't fix it. And that's why I kind of clung so aggressively to the innovation thing because I said, we're finally doing something. We're finally not taking no for an answer. We're actually challenging the status quo and saying, hey, can this be done better? And if we just put a little effort into it, can we actually change the game? And I think that is a perfect example of how we can leverage other industries or just getting a better process that would make the Air Force literally better for people. Because I think a lot of people don't want to leave the Air Force. They want to leave the processes or the issues they experience in the air force, but they love their job. They just don't love everything else that comes along. No, with that's hundred percent. I mean, flying fighters is the best deal out there, but it's craziness. I, Bender, I want to ask you about the innovation piece. Cause you've jumped from def 16 to, you know, fat Amy with all the money and things like that, but two different <laughs> worlds as far as like what's going on there. But to wrap up on Vader's point, it's like, I, I do agree. My one anecdotal comment, which I mentioned in another podcast, which isn't released yet, but I'm transferring reserve jobs. I have gotten the same, the same bank account my paycheck has gone to since I was in ROTC. Hasn't changed. But moving reserve jobs to in-process, it's like 15 pages worth of financial paperwork yeah. to include like your bank statement, a, you know, a voided check. I'm like, do you really need this? Like, can you just keep doing what you've been doing? Like, isn't there like a digital way of saying transfer? Like, no, sir, you got to fill all this out. I'm like, this seems antiquated, you know, and you just like translate that through everything we do. (laughs) (laughs) But every base I go to, I have to provide the birth certificates of my children to verify that I actually have children. (laughs) You've moved these guys seven times. You know, they're my kids. Like look in your own system, figure it out. But it's the same thing. Just like you said, very costly, just to kind of go on Vader. So I don't know anything about the innovation space. Uh, Vader kind of introduced it to me, but what, I'm interested. The fact is that people just make it happen all the time. Their force yeah. relies so heavily on just guys that are going to make it happen. And every fighter squadron is full of those dudes who they want to see the results. They're held, you know, accountable for making the mission happen. And so they're used to just, you know, putting it on their back and making it happen. So there's a couple examples like our mission planning software, especially in the F-35, is so cumbersome back in the vault and stuff. It takes hours to get onto the computer and then it takes – I mean, I don't even know how to do it because it's too complicated. You have to go to like a week class just to figure out how to like drop waypoints. Anyway, it's it's not usable. 
Right. Uh, and I think the same thing happens in, I know in the Viper, it's a little bit better, but it's still a problem, right? So a guy named Tron, one of Vader's close friends, right? He, he just like goes home and codes this awesome website that fighter pilots can now use just to get online and to make the maps, to make the, the mission planning stuff just quick so that we don't have to waste six hours of our mission planning day, just trying to log on to systems and stuff. Yeah. So that's one example. Tron does that. There's another one. There's guys who made this thing called gonculating, which is basically all fighter squadron scheduling goes through this program called PEX. It's the biggest boondoggle probably <laughs> in the United States history. It's so bad, but everything we do runs through it. And it yeah. just got to the point where it was so bad. Fighter squadrons literally couldn't function anymore. So they built a little Excel thing. They put it on to a website, whatever, bing, bang, boom. I don't even know how that stuff works. <laughs> but I know that if I go to gonculating.com, it just pops up. I can schedule what I need to schedule and I get the results that I want, right? So again, like dudes are innovating. These fighter pods are making it happen, uh, but they have no idea. Like I had no idea like what Vader's talking about. There are resources out there. The Air Force right. actually, somebody, I don't know who it is in the Air Force, but they want guys like Tron and guys like the dude who does gonculating. You know, to like give them their ideas to find solutions to the problems, and there's some money for it. So, like Vader said, the idea is to get dumb dumbs like me to be like, hey, there's this really smart guy named Tron. He did this awesome thing. Vader, you know, like how yeah. does he make this into, or how does he connect with the right company that has already done this so we can like make this happen efficiently and not have dudes working on, you know, late into the night uh, to fix problems that really right. Air Force has no business of pushing it on to people. But it just happens, right? So, this is actually perfect. So I mentioned I did an interview this morning with Juice, who he was a the Singaporean squadron commander at Luke, and now he's a ROTC commander. But we were talking about he was a one thirty guy too back in the day, and we're talking about deployments. And this is perfect because when we ripped you guys out in Jordan, yeah, you, know, you guys were doing training, and then OIR kicks off. It's not even named, and you guys are doing all these nine hour missions, dropping bombs. But I remember when we walked in for the in the MPC, the mission planning cell, you guys were doing, you're pulling all the data from the ATO manually or like vastly all manual hand jamming and making like a data card. I remember like the data card was taking hours to make for all these flights. And then from my time in Afghanistan, the MC-12, I remember there was a product, an Excel-based product that pulled all that data from the ATO and spit it out. So... I email a guy who I email a guy who emails a guy. We get it. And then Chuck, which I know Bender remembers, and uh, he was a gambler with us. He had been a Tammy 21 guy, so he flew the Viper. He got Tammy 21, sent to UAVs, and then fast forward a decade. Now he's back in the Viper. When I knew he was a super nerd when it came to this stuff. Showed him the Excel doc. I was like, oh, I created that. Like, he created this product back in, like, 05, and it literally gotten, like, every fighter squadron, bomber squadron through combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan for the last, like, decade and a half. And you're like, how how are we still just relying upon? And you put it perfectly. It's like, it's dudes who just get it done. Um, but at some point, like, you would be nice to just have a system in place or a process. And it sounds like you guys are trying to identify that. Yeah, and, and Bender, you know, I, I can't speak for Bender, but I know personally I don't really do anything exceptional, <laughs> but I'm always friends with the people who are very exceptional. So now all I'm trying to do is give those people like Tron and these other organizations that are extremely good at what they do and produce amazing products, I just want to give them a voice so they can actually uh, 
say the good things they do. And so we actually hear instead of just how PEX is bad and how scheduling's terrible and we get to actually talk about other programs that have actually made it a better place. Like uh, Benner and I were talking the other day about OHWS, so uh, optimizing the human weapon system. It's also referred to as CRAFT or uh, HPT. Uh, but it's a literally something that part of the innovation, hey, we keep breaking fighter pilots. How do we not break them? Give them physical therapists, give them strength coaches, give them dietitians, give them soft tissue, give them a gym. And now a lot of people are working out who didn't work out before. Yeah. And uh, and hopefully that's going to change, not us. I mean, we're, we're kind of on the back end of this. But the people who are going through pilot training now, maybe the, in them at their 11-year point, they're not as broken as us. And they don't, you know, they're they're able to turn their neck during the BFM right. week uh, rather than everybody just can't look to their left and or right. Um, but that's uh, one company, really interesting story. Uh, I think this actually preceded the whole AFWorks thing. It's called Kessel Run. They do a lot of big programs now, tons of stuff. Uh, but the way it started was uh, tankers in the deployed environment. So they, you know, standard puck board, you're, you're just like moving pucks around. People need gas. You know, tankers are moving here and here. And so they, somebody said exactly this. There has to be a better way. So I forgot the person's name, but he goes to a company, Kessel Run, uh, I think it was Kessel Run, and they, he said, hey, here's our problem. And they said, oh, we can do that. And they built it. And then they now have, just like that automated ATO data card maker, they now have an automated tanker gap flow. And they found out, once they implemented it, that they had 50% more tankers in the AOR than they actually needed. Because they were just, like, they weren't optimizing. Yeah. So those are the things. I think we're going to find a lot of that where there's a ton of man hours, a ton of uh, waste that we don't even realize because we're, like we said, we're just getting it done. We never look up to see what's actually Well, inherently there. the way our government is designed, it's inefficient. You know, we talk about like the budget. If you don't spend it, you'll lose it. This is something, do you guys heard like the Raptor now? I think when they do any of any Altravs uh, with tankers, like they do 330. And that was something that a wingman like ran the numbers and crunched it and where they were doing 310 like everyone else, they said, hey, if we go 330, we're actually going to save gas, and it's going to save X number of pounds of fuel on this pond crossing. Did you Have you guys heard that? <laughs> but, I mean, cool. no, but it makes I sense. mean, it was like three years ago, and you're like, okay, the Raptor went like IOC in like 2005. It, 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 no one had ever looked at it. Like, well, 310's the speed, so throw it in the 3-3, and, and so it shall be. And, you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I never even questioned it. I can't yeah. even count how many AOSs I've been on. Never yeah. even thought like let's fly. Yeah, it turns out three twenty is until the most efficient the last... speed. But no, who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and it turns out the last uh, you know tanking, we're always like, okay, get the last gas, and then we just <laughs> mill yeah. power until we get there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the gas numbers I pay attention to. How fast can I yeah. use this last leg? Uh, Bender, have you seen a difference uh, that going from the Viper to the F thirty five community? I mean. You were transitioning when this innovation thing was really kind of ramping up and I think was gaining a lot of focus. I feel like it's died down a little bit. There's not as much innovation speak, although I know the chief has said, you know, basically like innovate or die or we'll get left behind. Have, did you see that in F-35 or is it kind of the same uh, same old um, tune? That's a good question. I, I remember seeing it at Shaw. Again, kind of like Vader referenced earlier, I saw the flyers for Spark Tank or whatever. Yeah, you know, kind of rolled my eyes, whatever. Like this is a 
yeah. somebody's good idea that's not going to do anything, but it turns out it actually can do stuff. But yeah. uh, no, I do remember, I think it, Holloman and Luke seemed to be, Luke seemed to push it real hard. And they, they were the ones that got the OHWS, right? I think. Yeah. Um, so that they get results. Yeah, I, they were the originators. I think ATC does a good job of pushing it. Um, I, I honestly haven't seen much. I, I even looked for the, I don't want to sell anybody out, so maybe we'll have to edit this out, but I can't Beep. find the innovation cell here. <laughs> you know, I have been asking people and standard fighter probably they're like, that sounds stupid. Uh, you know, like whatever. But I did see in my wing commanders meeting I had the other day, the line item of the budget that we go over every week, which is a whole nother salty story, but uh, the squadron innovation funds line was zero. So I know that they're not interested in my wing or maybe not interested, but there's no money for it. Uh, at least in my wing, but there's no money for anything in my wing. So, well, uh, I mean, you guys are kind of innovated out, you know, most of the yeah, spider there. Yeah, the old guys. They're trying to, yeah, the innovation push is to replace us with somebody. <laughs> it's AI. <laughs> it's not quite so soft, the, uh, us, but there is a lot of money in the F 35, and as much money as there is that goes to this awesome technology, which it has awesome technology, don't get me wrong. Uh, but as cool as it is, is there's, I mean, it is, it's new. So, I feel like the Viper worked out for 30 years, all the kinks that it had kind of in its systems. The F-35's got a ton of them. Um, so there's a lot of space definitely for finding efficiencies, especially in the, uh, you know, just in our daily tasks that we have as far as our additional duties go. And I did actually hear to pile on the saltiness, but they are canceling the, the yeah. contractors, the squadron contractors, right? Right. Uh, so all that time we were saving by shoving off these crappy programs contractors is gone and so it's going to be again fighter pilots coming back in stay until midnight to try to sort out a crappy program to schedule everybody for the next week or whatever so i don't know it's not uh i'm i'm not sure i i feel like we were moving in a pretty decent direction over the last couple three or four years at least our mindset was kind of changing um so i'm afraid that it hopefully doesn't start going backwards but it kind of feels like we're losing a little bit of ground as far as trying to push the to be more efficient the fighter squadrons to really focus the effort on winning you know in the yeah. air instead of wasting all our time spinning our wheels in the you know in the background and first off fact check i don't know is it actually gone because i did see it like on facebook i know i did a podcast with paco back in the fall and uh the week before like they said hey it was going away and then he had some inside baseball saying well it's not and then i saw on the fighter pilot page that like dudes found out before all the commanders just went like VFR direct to the, the bro level. But, um, I think it's always like on the chopping block and that's, what's, fr I, that's, what's frustrating. Like you can have a lot of like good ideas. It, there's so much inertia it takes to get something through. I think the easy way is like you incentivize it. I don't know if you guys remember this when we're at Columbus, he was a return to active duty reservist. I think he was like a former, De he was a Delta guy. And, um, he, did something he changed the procedure for the T38 taxing from the outside back across where they instead of holding on the ground frequency and getting past to tower again like tower ground tower they just stayed on tower and tower cleared them right across and it saved like x number of thousands of pounds so i remember being in the wing stand up and they did the big old check the ten thousand dollar check like hey here you go like that motivates people you know like yeah. at, at a minimum to get things through but i don't hmm. know well, and I think that's one of the things. So there is an option. So in the AFWorks world, there's a lot of terms there. I mean, the military loves yeah. jargon or uh, I guess different terms. And uh, But so SIBR, we already talked about that, the Small Business Innovation Research. There's a level one, two, and a three. 
And then there's stratfies and tacfies, which I don't know what they stand for because they're like seven or eight letter <laughs> acronyms. Uh, but they have, uh, those are kind of additional. So once you're under a SIBR, you can tack on a TACFI or a Stratfi to get more funding for a program. But a lot of these dollars, they're AFWORKS dollars. So your base puts up 10, 20 grand to say, we, re- we want to attempt at this, like a demo pro of this product. Yeah. And then AFWORKS fronts the money to actually get it done. So it's really nice because that's what actually gets a lot of people on board is your wing doesn't have to fund it. Your wing has to just show support. Yeah, interesting. And then AFWORKS can fund it. So- so yeah. the Kodiak Shack, I guess, is the plan to, it's really focusing heavily on getting industry onto the podcast to be able to talk about probably industry and I imagine military guys looking for solutions to things. Is that, is that fair? Exactly. Yeah. So we have, uh, we have a couple uh, companies that are already scheduled to come on the show. Uh, and then we have Luke Air Force Base, their spark cell lead. He's going to come on the show. Uh, Seymour Johnson, they're also a really good spark cell. Uh, so we're going to have them on the show most likely. So what we're going to do is kind of a, a good balance of both sides. So we can give companies the opportunity. So the good idea is because you would think uh, at Luke, they come up with the program and Holloman would get it too. That's not reality. So unless I actively went to Luke and was like, hey, what are you guys working on? That's really cool. We want in. We didn't get it. So I think a lot of that is between there's an airspace scheduler that Luke, DM, and Tucson are all working together with because they all share airspace. So it makes sense. And just like Sean McIntyre, same thing. Like it makes sense for these, these organizations to work together on things. And if you don't ask, people are busy. They don't have time to say, hey, here's all the things I'm currently working on. What do you want to be a part of? You kind of have to go find it. So that's why I want to get Luke out here, Seymour Johnson, all the people who are really innovating, and then the companies that they're working with to try to get other people aware because, you know, hey, we built this cool F-16 program, but Shaw may not get it, even though it's the biggest CAF F-16 base, and it's an F-16 program. They could easily be a part of it. So I think those are the things that we want to do with the program is just increase awareness, give people the opportunity to talk about what they're winning at, talk about what they're doing well, and then get other people on board so these programs aren't a one-off. It's not like you said, hey, I remember back when I was doing the MC-12, we had this really good program. It's just everybody has it, and it's not some secret to everyone else. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, the Kodiak Shack, that's where people can find this. They can listen to Vader's soothing voice, occasionally (laughs) Bender's. Jumping in there, but uh, excited to have you guys launch this podcast before we kind of like wrap up this piece. Any other like last parting shots you'd like to throw out there for people to know or where to find you, et cetera? Yeah, so we're at uh, kodiakshack.com. Surprisingly, no one Strange. else wanted that uh, domain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and I'm at vader at kodiakshack.com. Uh, so that's where you can find me. Uh, if you want to email directly, if you want to get on the show, uh, if you just want to tell us, uh, chuck some spears, all that fun stuff, uh, feel free to email. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing. We have a website that you'll be able to find our episodes. We're going to post all of our podcasts on everywhere you listen to your podcasts. And uh, I just realized, actually about 15 minutes ago, I realized we're all wearing black yeah, shirts. Yeah, it's planned. But uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> so you're welcome, everybody. This is... Uh, and better with his Royals hat, you know, he's always repping the Royals. Have to. Yeah. I just yeah. blew. So my hair, you know, 
isn't looking great. See, that's you would think the 35 yeah. helmet doesn't do helmet hair, yeah, it you know? Does. It definitely does. It's laser. So, one of the things they spend a lot of money on, which we got to have this guy named Yeti Miller tell you this story, Rain. It will be. Anyway, it's a great story. <laughs> <I want it. laughs> but they they spend all this money on like laser. So, you get your head like laser measured. You sit in, like this chair for seriously, it's a four hour, two days, and each session is like four to six hours or something. Jeez. But they laser measure everything and then they build the helmet so it fits exactly right. Uh, except for you can't get it on is the problem like because you know <laughs> anyway it's it's made it's terrible <laughs> bottom line the worst thing about finding that 35 is strapping into the stupid jet putting the helmet on uh but they also <laughs> like take a measurement it's like getting a custom fit suit you know they like measure yeah. every part of your body uh like arm length elbow to wrist all this stuff but then they for whatever reason they didn't actually purchase or put under contract tailors to make the flight suits. So they do all these measurements for hours and they just give you, they're like, you're medium. And they give you a standard issue Air Force flight suit. It's awesome. So I'm like, uh, good time. That's classic. That's, classic. that's that's what the F-35 world is like. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of good ideas. Uh, it doesn't always translate into uh, actionable or efficient systems, but we have a lot of stuff. So that's pretty cool. One day it'll all gel together. I'm sure of it. Yeah. Definitely, maybe. Yeah, definitely. It definitely will. <laughs> It'll be innovation. That'll be the game changer. Actually, uh, Rain, kind of shifting gears, I had a question oh. for you. Uh, because Bender and I, I'm obviously your audience knows that you were demo pilot for a while. and But Bender and I, we never experienced that side of flying fighters. So how did that change your perspective to specifically the Air Force? Like once you were a demo pilot, you were doing different stuff. You're interacting with different people. Like, how did that change your view of it? Uh, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I think, you know, I had some exposure to demo prior. Like, I grew up and I went to air shows and I saw that aspect. I mean, that was one of the reasons I wanted to go into the military. But when you, you know, go into the demo world, like the tactics, they gone. Bender did one of my check rides. I think we did a BFM check ride. I was like, yeah, that was awesome. Great. Story. Yeah. Yeah, that that was that was amazing. <laughs> I, you did you did my uh, mission check and then my actually my last check ride, which was coming back from the Indy five hundred by instrument check. Like you never know if you need it, um, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's yeah, I forgot. Yeah, nailing it. The uh, the aspect, you know, so the tactics go away, and now you're doing something completely different than you had been trained to do. Right? You're like, hey, I joined, I go fight. And now like that stuff, it really doesn't matter. It really matters that when you go somewhere, you put your best foot forward when it comes to interacting, you're doing the same thing a thousand times. And the tough part is to remember that on, you know, show 777 and the interaction, you know, with, you know, your millionth person, this is their first time meeting you or seeing you. And it might be the only person that they ever come in contact from the air force or the department of defense. So if you act like a jerk, if you're you know exhausted and you show it, that's going to be their impression of the military. So I think in that sense, because air shows, I mean, it's a lot of fun, right? But it's also exhausting. And Bender went to a couple of air shows, and I, I can't remember which ones, but it's like usually, you know, from 6.37 in the morning till 7 or 8 at night, like you're just constantly talking to people and constantly doing stuff which doesn't sound exhausting, but I guess for my simple body and simple mind, like at the end of the day, I'm like, I just want to stare at a wall and like not talk to anyone. And I'm pretty good with like names and faces, but at some point I was like, and I think I'm actually really good with it. But I saw over my time, like the iceberg was shrinking and penguins were getting kicked off the iceberg. (laughs) And I'm like, 
I don't remember your name. I don't remember, you know, and so like you play those games, but that was like the biggest thing, the switch of like, Hey, you know, being the best F-16 pilot when it comes to doing C or DCA, these people don't know, they don't care. But now trying to be uh, a showman, if you will, with air quotes uh, and being your best foot forward, because you do see the impact it has and the interaction from the general public. The flip side, which uh, talked to Billy Flynn, his next episode's coming out. Yeah, he was a senior test pilot for Lockheed for that 35. Dude's flown like 40 fighters. But he, you know, did the Paris Air Show, and that was the debut of the F-35 at an air show. The strategic level impacts, that was something I wasn't expecting because I did a show in Rio Negro, Colombia. We're down there, and this this airfield is, it's a uh, commercial airport, and so they would have airliners coming in in 30-minute blocks, and then they would stop and then let the air show go for 30 minutes and then stop, rinse, and repeat. Well, I had taxied out to do my demo in the last 15 minutes of this block and the Brazilian demo team, like, I don't know, they flew off into oblivion. They shut the airspace down. It took forever. Well, I had to taxi back. Well, that day they had their entire like upper echelon of the DOD, their air force chief of staff all out there with general Kelly, who was the 12th air force commander at the time to showcase the F 16 one. So their neighbors saw who their friends were, but the Colombians looking to buy a new fighter and down there, Guys from Raphael, Grippen, everyone is peddling their hardware. So the strategic level impacts of getting the Colombians to buy F-16s and doing an air show and doing it at 8,000 feet and showcasing it compared to other competitors at this trade show, it was a trade show which had an air show, um, was something that I didn't expect. But you just never know. And I did it at Bahrain. I did it at UAE. Turns out arms dealing is a very big business. Uh, and, you know, our country... In every country, you know, who produces, you know, weapons and aircraft, you want to sell those. We need to sell those to our friends. So we have this interchangeability, this interoperability. That's why the F-35, you know, depends on what every, you get different, different takes, but I'm a fan of the F-35. I've never flown it. I know Bender flies it, but the fact that you have an F-35, like an F-16 proliferated across the globe, but every F-16 was slightly different. Like I couldn't go fly a block A. And if you did fly, I mean, you could fly it, right? But the capabilities of, you know, F-16A, you know, Block 10 or Block 15 that some nation's flying is going to be vastly different. Uh, even a guard jet in, you know, our Air Force is going to be different than flying a Block 50 at Shaw, you know? So long long answer, short question. Yeah, but I think it's, I think it's good because that's one of those things. I think the innovation process is something that, kind of gets lost. Yeah. People don't think about it because, again, we're all kind of working. And I think that demo, at least for the actual pilots who are flying the airplanes, they don't really think about it that no. much. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, Rain's a demo guy. And then you just kind of keep doing your thing where that is our, like you said, whether it's our connection with the people or a strategic level connection or, you know, kind of um, putting our information or just our our might out there. Uh, I think that's, I think it's good. And I think it's important that we do those things. And we understand that there's, there's more than just, Hey, it's a, it's an air show. It's fun to see. Yeah. Um, I think well, you hit it on the head too, so to speak, the fact like Bender flew twice today, which was amazing. Right. But his capacity to do anything else. And I know he's a reservist, but let's say he was an active duty guy. Yeah. You know, his capacity, he's going to have some additional duty that, he hasn't checked his email all day and depending on what job it is, is stacked up with things he has to do for that job that 
has really nothing to do with flying the F-35, like mostly, right? And you're at a bandwidth stop. And when you're talking about, hey, you know, Luke might get this program, but Shaw might not, and they're both F-16 bases, like you're only worried about the nearest alligator to your boat, and you only have the bandwidth to handle like what's right in front of you. So having, uh, you know, podcast, I think is a great medium. Again, it's probably multifaceted to get this information out and know like what's happening. Some of the stuff you guys said, I'm like, nah, I don't know. And granted, I'm far removed from it, but if Seymour Johnson's doing something or if Hill's doing something and you're at base X, Y, or Z, like unless you got a buddy who is in the know that you talk to, like you're going to have no clue, which you know, it's just the way the, be- the way the beast works, I guess. Well, and I think that's the, I think there's those, uh, it's not the close call. Uh, it's an unusual incident reports, but you know, you think about how many class A's there are and how we all hear about those and we have safety investigations, but how many close calls are there that nobody knows about outside of that base or via the bro right. network where it's like, Oh yeah. So-and-so had this crazy situation, but officially we don't hear about it. And I think that's exactly what happens is unofficially you may hear about it, but officially it's actually more difficult to get the word out there. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That'd be something interesting because I'm thinking of like the, when we used to do it and like, again, it like stopped before I went to demo. So I don't know if you guys do this in your squadrons, but yeah, like the Friday meeting, you know, pilot call, there was undoubtedly like once a month, there was someone there who might or might not be in blues that fratted or had a close pass and we're going to brief the squadron on their lessons learned. There's something that was buffoonerous, right? Um, and not that that needs to make it all the way out, but I do remember there was a couple of times where like there's like close passes and doing like ACM and you're like, Hmm, that might happen at other places. Like maybe this is something that would be good to know, but you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it like outside of that room, like even on that same base in another fighter squadron and there's no, Maybe it's worth tracking. Maybe it's not worth tracking, but I don't know. That's what, uh, that's what one of the cool things is because the one thing the Air Force does really well is it tracks data. So we have all the data in the world. We just don't run analytics yeah. on it. We don't actually get anything from it. So every flight hour flown, all the maintenance information, all the data is being downloaded from all these aircraft, from all of our networks, from our shared drives, and but we don't do anything with it. And there are companies out there whose jobs are literally to process and analyze data. And so the fact that we say like, hey, just because it didn't make a SII, like a special interest item, because it was a mishap or a class A, doesn't mean we don't need to get the word out about it. But this is one of those things where we could see, because we run data analytics, because we have these programs across the Air Force, we actually get more good information. And uh, one company talks about like lead turning the SAI. So, hey, let's get analytics. We'll get to see when things are starting to get close. You know, they say, hey, these bad things happen in threes. Yeah. Maybe we can actually start putting special interest item, have that that meeting the Friday prior to the accident rather or the close call rather than the Friday after. Because it's like, hey, just like the every, what is it, every Monday or second Monday of a red flag. Yeah is the safety day. Like they know, hey, the second week is when weird stuff starts happening. So that first day of the second week, everybody refocus. Let's say, let's stay safe. Because again, this, uh, I got told a long time ago by a really good dude, uh, Kanga Wu. And he, he told me that his old boss, uh, he was old uh, Tomcat pilot in the Navy. And then he went to the South Carolina Guard. But his boss told him that, 
this job is not inherently dangerous, but it's extremely unforgiving. Yeah. And I think that's that's exactly what Flying Fighters is. It's it's not that it's dangerous, but it's it's not going to catch you any slack if you make a mistake. And I think that's what we need to do. We need to leverage innovation. We need to leverage the people around us. We need to leverage the hard work that we do to make it safe and make us as lethal as possible. Here, Here's my personal take, and I think the challenge, what, and see what you guys think, is, you know, a GCAS, that took quite a while to find its way into the Viper. It's Ben, are you flying with it in the 35 yet? We are, yep. I think, and Billy Flynn on the episode, he was talking about that was one that originally the F-35 was not going to have it in there until like 2026, and Lockheed worked it into the system to make sure it was there. You're like, this is a no-brainer. My thing was like the the if you show someone a new missile that will go further or a bomb, they'll make a bigger boom. That's what people are going to spend the money on. It's tougher when you're talking the safety piece, which not necessarily, I mean, analytics can go to everything, but I, I think that is one thing given, and you guys can speak to it better than I can, the current environment. Like if you kill a fighter pilot, well, it took, you know, X number of years, 26 years, 30 years to make that fighter pilot. You know, it took six months to make that jet, although the jet was expensive. The person you can never replace. But that's the challenge. It's like, hey, I got this really good idea. They can analyze all this data. And it's going to say, hey, you know what? Turns out you shouldn't fly ACM on Monday afternoon on March 3rd. You know, like whatever, you know, whatever might pump out. But that's a big piece of if it's not killing or breaking something, maybe getting that sell and that money. Because as you mentioned, the OWS, like the health piece, that was awesome. It's kicking and it's either chopped or like it's staring death in the face and going to get chopped from the budget at some point. So that's a hurdle, I think. Yeah. And that, I think that's the tough part because if we don't, if we don't show these companies that we do believe in them and we want to keep them around, people are going to not want to work with us. The fact that they can get a one or two year contract and then put all this effort, move, move across the country, put down roots. And then the air force is like, ah, yeah, you know, budget cuts. And then the program's just done. That's going to be a problem. And that is, that is going to be one of the tough parts that, that I've at least seen already is programs that are trying to get from that Cibber 2 to the Cibber 3, it's a huge jump. I mean, it is a massive, massive jump because it's effectively becoming a prime. It's becoming Apex. It's becoming a GTIMS. It's becoming a multi-base use program, which is a huge check to write. Uh, and so everybody's on board to get a Cibber 2. And the moment people start asking about the small business innovation research Cibber 3s, everybody like you know it's just the the cloud shape of a human because they're out the door because the they get sticker shock of what it's going to cost to actually roll this thing out but at the end of the day that's that's what we have to do uh and it's going to be it's going to have sustainment costs like all these programs are going to have repeat costs that we're going to have to keep spending just like uh the human performance stuff that we're going to have to keep paying people to keep us healthy this might not be a fair question because it might be tough to ask ask bender what do you think the biggest problem that, that, that would need to be solved? Maybe in the Air Force or the F-35 community or fighter pilot community? Like, again, that's, that's, that's not necessarily a fair question, but like if there's something, if you had the, hey, you can solve this one problem, what's the most important problem you would solve? This episode of the podcast is sponsored by NordVPN. I'm a NordVPN user. For those that don't know what a VPN is, it allows you to securely browse the internet and avoid the prying eyes from people who might want to do you 
or your loved one's harm. For those that know or maybe don't know, I travel internationally. I travel to some of the most internet restrictive countries in the world. So having NordVPN allows me not only to connect to the internet, but allows me to browse securely. I travel a bunch, as I mentioned, and being able to connect to a hotel Wi-Fi is pretty nice, but I am concerned about who has access and who might be seeing what I'm doing. NordVPN allows me to protect my connection so I can message my loved ones without prying eyes. I can do my financials and other business related activities without worrying about someone stealing proprietary information. NordVPN makes it super easy to access. I have it right at my fingertips on my iPhone. I can click the app and within a few seconds, I have a secure VPN connection. Again, while I travel internationally, I'm looking to watch the shows that I want to watch, but they're locked by region. NordVPN allows me to access my region and the shows and movies that I want to watch. Highly encourage you to check them out. I have a link in the comments to nordvpn.com backslash afterburn. Using that backslash afterburn will get you one month free of NordVPN. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, I use NordVPN, and I highly recommend you swing over to nordvpn.com backslash afterburn and browse the internet securely. Well, I was just thinking, money-wise, I'm not sure. I think leadership is kind of, that's going to sound stupid trite, but leadership is yeah, kind of like what Vader's saying. Like, if you don't have the wing commander who is willing, it's really easy, and Vader mentioned this before, but a wing commander can take their innovation funds and then just equally, you know, spread it between every unit. Every unit gets like $6,000 and they buy some TVs or like nice Kleenex boxes or whatever it is they buy. I don't know. Uh, right. Couches for the bathrooms. Um, anyway, it just goes right. But if right. a wing commander has the vision, it's like, no, like what does this unit need to like be successful and takes ownership of it, then we can actually like get something that's valuable. But then it's beyond that too. That leader's in place for two years, right? And then he's going to move on. If he doesn't buck up and sell it to the next guy, then we're going to lose it. Like Vader said, right? the sippers are gone. If he doesn't use the money that way, then we lose the program. Uh, and then they also have to be willing to go to bat for their people, which that's my real big beef, I guess. If we're going salty, uh, there we go now. Ready to go there. Here we uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I've known some amazing leaders, so I Got don't it. even say this, you know, as a guy who's been burned, but I've had great leaders, but the really, really yeah. good ones are the ones who they catch the crap and they don't send it rolling downhill. They, you know, they get their data and then they fire back. Like, no, this is a problem for my dudes. That's why this happened. And we're not going to take it anymore. Like rain, you're familiar with, I hate name dropping people who don't know I'm going to do it, but Maestro O'Malley, I thought yeah. in a couple very specific cases did a really good job, you know, like flying hour program at Shaw was like a big deal. Like you will fly all these flight hours. And so instead you think that that's great training, but it's not right. There's a nice yeah. balance. There's a balance between how much time you spend in the air and how much time you have to prepare the mission so that you get good learning from each mission. You get better and better. Well, if you just shove down too many flight hours down, a fighter squatter's throat then, so to speak. Then you just end up getting dudes flying pits every day. They don't get any learning. They yes. don't get any mission plan. They don't, they don't actually get tactically better, but they burn a lot of flight hours, right? And so that was what we were seeing at Shaw. Maestro gets this flight hour program. And it's like, that's way more than we can handle. We're not going to fly it. And they're like, you will fly every hour. And Maestro's like, we're not going to do it. Like, <laughs> I'm not doing it. Like whatever happens, happens. But my guys aren't flying that. This is what we need to fly to be to get better, whatever. Anyway, I just remember talking to him about it. And he actually won that. Like it was a great leadership moment. I thought like, that's my vision of leadership. Like, no, this is, 
this is so freaking screwed up at this place. We're not going to deal with it anymore. Like you can't tell my dudes, they got to go PCS and not pay for their PCS. Like I'm not dealing with that. You know, so I don't know how leaders can fight those. I've never been, so I don't want to check spears at the guys, yeah. you know, who are bad at it because I've never been there. But I think if there's one thing that the Air Force is really screwing up, somewhere we lose that whole, you know, the ability for a leader at our level who sees the operational issues every day, they lose their ability to affect change somewhere in the middle there, right? So, general, the chief staff of the Air Force says, innovate or die. Right. And then seven echelons down, wing commander's like, we want to do this, we want to do this, and there's nobody listening and nothing happens or whatever. And and we just kind of squander it a little bit. So, again, I, that's maybe a little bit too vague of a, an answer, and I'm sure there's a ton of pushbacks that wing commanders and OG commanders, and I know they're facing, they have lots of obstacles. There's lots of reasons why they can't get things done the way they want to get them done. But at the same time, you'll hear them say all the time, like, oh, it's too complicated or it's too hard. Whatever. Right. F that. There are freaking dudes back in the vault trying to solve like how to take down a ring of SA 21s <laughs> fighting J 20s with no, you know, like they have 23 minutes of fuel or anyway, like they don't yes. say to them like, Oh, sorry, sir. It's too hard. Like they're like freaking get it done. And then tell us why like you screwed up when it didn't end up going the way you want to run. Anyway, I feel like we, it's pushed down to us, like just get it done. And then when we go back up, we never get the answer like we got it done. We get the answer like, oh, it's it's a complicated problem. Like PCSing people, all, <laughs> that's a complicated problem. Like screw you, that's not a complicated problem. Yeah, it's that's not people. flying ASAP of yeah. freaking crazy small islands in the middle of wherever. Right, you might have to cut that part out. But <laughs> yeah, mark the mark, yeah, mark the tapes on that one. Uh, yeah. There's it could be out of the Atlantic. Atlantic has small oceans or islands, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that because this podcast is paid for by Maestro or by Maestro O'Malley. Um, I don't know when depends on when this one airs. It's either before or after the one I just recorded. I recorded last week with Juice, and the I gave the exact same example. And I, not to like yeah name drop people, but I said Maestro because I actually flew him the demo right after he was, became the wing commander. And I remember he said, "No, we're not flying these hours." And I was you know I just wrecked his world in the back. He went to NIF after for like two weeks after that sortie. Uh, neither here nor there. But yeah, I said, Hey, sir, you know, like the one aspect, I was like, Yeah, because it didn't matter to me, but I was like, Appreciative. I was like, The fact that the flying hours, because he stood up for the flying hours, which in my previous three years at Shaw had not happened. It was, Yes, we, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. And I was one of those guys who flew like 28 sorties in the month of July, which is awesome to fly the Viper that much, but it's too much when you have an additional duty. You're not, you're not planning, you're not debriefing, you're literally like leaving, you're hot pitting and, then you're going home and the next day, you know, you're just like, Hey, sorry, man, I didn't get to help you plan for the next mission that you're in. And it was just some dude on an upgrade ride who was by himself all day trying to mission plan with no help. And you show up with no clue what's going on and figure out the brief. So that is a broad thing. I don't know how innovation fixes it. And those guys who stand up, I'd be curious to see where Maestro is these days. Um, because at some point, like the guys can only take so many, you know, Fox threes right to the Fachi before they can't survive. Um, but uh, it's a big bureaucracy. That's, that's the frustrating part. Of, like all this. And you mentioned it. Vader had a very nice answer to the Hallman move earlier, which in my mind is like, that's ridiculous. Like that should not be, that should be not, not a factor. Or if it is going to be a factor, like, Hey, we, they only have this amount of capacity. Well, now our assignment system, like you guys are not moving, not like, Hey, 
figure it out, like leave your family for two months, you go move and get a house. Like, I think that is personally a foul because there's no need for it. Now, if it's World War Three, like everyone, yeah, you know, pull on the boots and buckle up and just make things happen. But I don't know, simple stuff like that should but be I a think- factor. To get a little, to get a little salty. Now he's back. Now he's, is, now he's here. Uh, yeah. Good. Yeah, good. yeah. I don't want to be left yeah. out. I think that is a problem. And personally, I had, I think other people probably have a similar problem is a lot of times when there is a lack of support from the Air Force when you need it, when they ask you to do something. So exactly like moving. The Air Force says move and be there by this date. And then... AFPC says, hey, you're not getting orders until 60 days prior. So you can't schedule your move until 60 or 59 days prior because you got to get your orders first. And then everybody is doing a mad dash to schedule movers and nobody can. And the problem is exactly the fact that the Air Force says, you're going to have to figure this one out. You just get an email that says, hey, this is on you. No, your report no later than date has not changed. You still have to report. You just have to figure out how you're going to get there. And I think that is the problem. Like there, sometimes you'll hear like, hey, you know, out of the fighter community, we have a 40% retention rate. That's just it. 60% of the people are going to go yeah. no matter what we do. But I think those are the things. Like I know multiple people who were, who were committed to stay for a career and they aren't in the active duty Air Force right now because of things like that. The Air Force not working with them, not allowing them to live their life and just do the things the Air Force asked them because the Air Force isn't going to help them get there. Yeah. And that's frustrating. Yeah, 100%. I mean, again, flying fighters is the best thing out there. The thing, I I was one of those guys who was going to stay in, but at least for me, what I saw, like, I didn't have my ATP when I deployed. Everyone's making their bad rush to get their ATP because the rules were changing. But I was like, nah, I'm staying in, so why would I do it? And then things change, right? But... Um, one of the aspects I realized is if you are in that scenario where there are undoubtedly a lot of people right now that are at Holloman trying to move and they have orders and they got a report no later than date in July, their family can't move. So they're faced with some tough choices like uproot your family and move, do it on your own dime, leave your stuff behind or like take leave and go back. Maybe get a person. It's going to be a complicated problem. When you're like a single dude or dudette and you're dealing with that, like whatever, no big deal. It's when you start taxing the family and the family's having to deal with all that stuff. Like now you're jerking around a lot of people and causing a lot of pain and frustration, like on the home life when the job's already taxing enough. So don't do that and like take care of people like step one. And then I think you'll have it because I saw like the threat was, and I said this in the last podcast, which again, I don't know if it's going to air before this one or the next one, the threat, if you guys remember, we'll name, name drop another one, Deuce. Uh, I don't know if you were there or not, Bender, but 05 shows up in the squadron out of a staff tour, getting recalled, and then a 365 drops down. And it's like, well, who is like the least qualified F-16 05 we have to go fill this? And it's like, sorry, dude, wrong place, wrong time. You're a good dude. You're going to Afghanistan. You know, and again, long story short, he never gets recalled in the Viper for a multitude of reasons, admin stuff. And he spends his like last two and a half, three years on active duty, not flying the Viper at a Viper base. And you're like, man, if the bad deal train shows up, you get on. And if you're a guy who resists like, hey, I'm not going to make this move happen. Maybe you got a good boss who supports you. 
maybe you don't have a good boss that's like, you know, sorry, man, um, suck it up, be there. Like if you're the squeaky wheel, like the grease might not be good that gets applied to you, so to speak. Like you might like now be, you might now be getting pushed towards the bad deal train that you can't get off once you're on. But yeah. 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 I think, uh, I feel better kind of, you know, the question that oh, I said, that? I feel better now. <laughs> We're not yeah. done yet. <laughs> I got, you got, yeah. you got hate in your heart, let it out. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's plenty more. Kodiak Shack. Well, the, uh, one of the things that I, uh, that, you know, you kind of asked Bender like, Hey, what could you, what would you change? And one thing that frustrates me beyond belief Cause it's not like we're a small purchase. We, I mean, it's not like the DOD is a small purchaser uh, in the nature of spending money when it's, you know, buying aircraft, when it's doing any of those things, they should get what they ask for. And then you get the F 35. And in my ignorance, I just assumed that the F 35 would start like, Hey, whatever the F 16, like amount of steer points and just <laughs> the basic things like auto GCAS. That's the starting point. Right. Like we're just going to take whatever our like general F-16 is, that is your baseline, and then build a stealth fighter around that. But it's not the case. And it's, oh, no, we're starting from ground zero. Air, you know, you're going to get 10 steer points just like it's 1983. <laughs> yeah, why, and, why you need more? <laughs> well, and, that, and that's the tough part. And maybe the 35 didn't need more, you know. It was like, ah, oh, 10 steer points is enough. But that's the thing that frustrates me. I think... And again, I don't think anybody's like being malicious or nefarious in it. I think we just have a, we struggle with our acquisitions. We don't like press and really fight to get exactly what we want or need. Maybe because they don't know, because fighter pilots never likes doing, doing staff jobs. Yeah. So, you know, I was telling Bender the other day, like, hey, if, if we're as good at flying fighters at anything else, it's cutting off our nose despite our face. Because we are very good at like, this will benefit me not doing it, just because we don't want to do the thing. Uh, and I think that's the the tough part is we, sadly, as a lieutenant, I would bag on people who would say like, hey, somebody needs to do those staff jobs because it's important. And now I'm an old dude saying somebody needs to do those staff jobs because it's important because we have a non-fighter guy at A3 acquisitions. And you're like, that's a problem. Like we have a guy who doesn't know what the fighter pilots need doing acquisitions for him and it makes sense why we hate why we have a 22 that took x number of years to become i like you know ioc a 35 the same way and probably then whatever's next the same way you know yep. where we just take so long to produce things it is it is an acquisition there was a uh, the fire pilot podcast had it's about a year ago uh oh uh, six on there who's worked at darpa and I, I've mentioned this a couple of times. I need to go back and listen to it because it was actually a undersecretary of the army, like back in the mid eighties and gonculates all this stuff out and basically says the way our acquisition process is going by like 2050, we will be, we'll be able to buy two planes with the entire DOD budget. Like that's how it's going. And so far, like everything is hitting on the mark of just how expensive it is. And I remember when I was in the B course, we went up to the petting zoo and had the F-35 weapon school had just stood up and we got a brief from, or no, it was getting ready to stand up, but they'd already selected the cadre to go through initially. And one of the guys gave us a briefing and, you know, he's talking about, you know, call it targeting pod, whatever you call it there, Bender. But, you know, the sniper, what is it? It's a T-flare. 
Oh, Tiefler, yeah. Yachts, so, you can call them EOTs if you want. Yachts, EOTs. I think the EOTs is what, I, what I'd heard. Um, I don't know what either of those stand for. So. Yeah. And nor do you need to. Um, does it work? Does it not work? But doesn't work. You can buy, yeah. So, like he was saying, yeah, at the time, the sniper pod was better than that. And they had to wait for another two years before the next phase of the contract got rewritten to then upgrade it. And again, you're talking like your computers are slow. Like the computers should not be slow for mission planning. Like logging in, mission planning in F-16, I thought like, I'm just going to put the pin on the table and jab my you know eye into it just to put me out of pain and misery. Like technology exists. Like we sh- it should not be that that painful where like it's, it's so cumbersome just to do the minimum requirement or just to be able to access the things you need to do to plan to do your main job. I digress. Yeah, no, I think that's right. I mean, that's right. That's the the whole idea of the spark cell or innovation. I think, I, I assume, just giving people the benefit of the doubt, somebody was like, this is jacked up. Like the yeah. whole acquisition, everything's jacked up. We need the operators to be able to have a direct say as much as possible in getting what they need, you know, uh, so they can get the job done. Right. But that's the whole idea of Kodiak Shack from Vader's perspective, right? Is the if there is in some way for a dumb dumb like me or Rain, you're not dumb dumb, but whatever. Somebody yeah, dumb. you know dumb. flying is like, <laughs> I just need this one stupid little thing to work, you know, and then there's this there's this way we can do it where it's just like well plug like, these other companies who could do it efficiently, who don't have the cumbersome bureaucracy, they've made it. You just pluck it real quick and, and use it. Like that's that exists. Nobody knows it exists, or very few people know that it exists, but it's there and so Hopefully we can get guys, you know, aware of it. And they, there's tons of guys with great, I mean, the smartest people, I, I only hang out with fighter pilots generally, but the smartest people I ever met are fighter pilots. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they're smart. The bar's they're really low. Yeah, yeah. Driven. Like they want their results oriented. They want to get things done. Like they can do pretty freaking amazing things. And if we can somehow unleash the 2000 fighter pilots that are on that, you know, the good idea train of the calf fighter pilot yeah. page or whatever. If they had access, I guarantee you, if all those dudes had access to the Squadron Innovation Fund budget, like we would solve so many problems <clears throat> that are happening at the operator level. Like if they were just like, yep, I want this, I want this, I want this, you know, it would it would make things way better, which I think, you know, that goes a long way in a lot of the problems that we're talking about, like as far as like staying in the Air Force retention, you know, like leadership skills, like why, are, this doesn't need to be at six level, like push it down to a, captain's level like make the decision what do you need to make this happen and let him choose like let him make it happen uh so anyway i hopefully this makes some headway into that the whole idea of maybe we can bypass all this bull crap that we're all used to and, and actually get a couple solutions at least that can make life livable in the squadron in the in the groups at the wings um not only livable but much more efficient and effective as far as the yeah. mission actually goes and, uh, and kind of on that note a little bit, I think one of the reasons why Luke, Seymour Johnson, maybe, and they have a lot of bodies, right? So Luke has hundreds of captains hauling in the same way, all these instructor pilots. Uh, so it's awesome because you have these squadrons full of instructor pilots who are experienced. Uh, they're not a huge drain. Like in a calf squadron, right? You have just a couple IPs, some fighting. So very inexperienced and they're just churning. You know, they're trying to, to be ready to go on whatever contingency that they're set up to go on. Whereas at ATC, you have these huge squadrons full of these experienced fighter pilots. Not that they have more time, but you can now allocate guys like Vader to the innovation job. Whereas in a yeah. calf squadron, there's, you know, like that's that's taken 
that's a big chunk of that squadron's capabilities. To remove him from the squadron as an IP and to put him into an innovation job or whatever. Whereas Seymour Johnson, right, they have a guy in the front and then they have a guy in the back. Uh, and the guys in the back. A lot of people. I mean, they do a lot of stuff. But the guys in the front, nobody knows what the guys in the front do. They don't even. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like pointy, talky, whatever. But uh, anyway, so they have the bodies to fill innovation too. So maybe, maybe that's one thing that we do need to kind of address. It's like, how does Hill... Nobody knows what the innovation shop is because none of the pilots have time to do it. The squadrons can't afford to pull them, or at least they don't pull them out of the squadron and put them into that job, but they probably should. Um, so anyway, that's something to think about that Vader and I can kind of think about. But if the innovation space does, if we can figure out how to leverage it and these companies see that this is happening and they can offer up their solutions, then maybe something good can come of it You know, pretty quickly, honestly. That's uh, the Kodiak Shack. I think, I think it's be it's it's going to be a good thing because uh, yeah, I've had Paco on who has the Merge newsletter, and I think it's it's running in circles that you know people in industry and people up on Capitol Hill might be a staffer, maybe it's someone you know who's really powerful listen or reads his newsletter. But I could see the Kodiak Shack being the same deal where you're open up this medium to share this information and get it out there. Where again, maybe someone hears something that sparks an idea, or they have a solution to a problem that's presented across the country at another base that otherwise would not have been connected had it not been for some form of communication, which again, I think you guys, I'm very excited about this. Yeah, we are too. (laughs) We, uh, yeah, we, we hope we do exactly that. We hope we kind of give people the ability to get their complaints out in a useful way to actually get things fixed because I mean, every fighter squadron around the world is really good at complaining about the problems. Uh, But now, yeah, exactly. So now we're going to leverage all that training we've been doing (laughs) for the last decade or two and uh, and use it to actually hopefully create some change. Because obviously for any one of us, we're all, you know, either out or kind of on the latter half of our careers. But maybe we can do something for the bros, for the next generation, so they see some change. And then maybe they are better prepared for whatever fights ahead. Uh, or it's just a better organization to work for, and they want to stick around a little bit more than our uh, group. Because, I mean, currently we're at 100% exiting the active duty in this uh, podcast. So that's not good numbers. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it says something. And yeah, again, so I'm going to, I'm going to claim this. If you guys use this idea, I think on your website, you need like a page for like, if you got hate in your heart, let it out. Some like crisis yeah. helpline for, you know, and they, crisis you, can, you, can, <laughs> you can throw it out there and then people can go in there and write about their, you know, their complaints. It's basically a continuation of the, the fighter pilot page. And, uh, you know, maybe someone from industry will see a problem and they like have a solution. They can go present it and then you can talk about it on the podcast. You're welcome. You can have that idea for free. Yeah, thank right. you. We could we could name it the bar. Yeah, yeah. And then you go in there and just your Christ, yeah. salty Dutchman. We had it in the Gamblers. It was the salty yeah. Dutchman number yeah. box. And then we also yeah. had it in the Panthers with the uh, what grinds Taz's gears. Remember that? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> oh, had. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah, that's right. And and things could actually be fixed from those because I think one thing that and actually both of you guys work in other industries now, so weigh in what you think. Uh, but I think the career field, the fighter pilot career field, does a very good ch- job ch- uh, training you to boil things down to their most simple uh, state. Yeah. So what you do is, hey, I'm I'm good at making this a very digestible problem and explaining it in simple terms. Uh, and I think that's what we need. We need to be able to boil down to you know, as they say, peel back the onion to that that origin. 
And how do we fix that? And I think that's what we need because a lot of times we get solutions for problems that aren't really problems or it's not the true problem because we didn't boil down the problem to its most uh, basic. Yeah. it's. I mean, I work for a company that is larger than the Air Force and is in you know, nearly every country in the world. And undoubtedly there are problems, but they're the simple things that I know I used to complain about. I don't complain about now. Then there are some things that are imperfect, but for instance, like the iPad, like again, when I was leaving, like that was rolling online and there was some challenges and hiccups, but I'm just going to get my new iPad. Like as they go through a refresh program and it's super simple, they mail it to me. I have to make sure someone over the age of 18 is at home to receive it. Um, and then I hit a couple buttons, it transfers, it downloads all the company stuff that I need. And then when I verify it's all good, I just put it in the container they sent me with a label and they come and pick it up and it's done. Like it, they just make everything, it is much easier. There's like if travel is needed, which turns out it's in my job, there's someone who handles the travel. I do have file a travel voucher the system, I think, is easier than DTS on some cases. There are some pitfalls with it. But again, it's just kind of a streamline. Now, they've gone to like an automated like ticket system, which is terrible. And then I equate much like our communications people in the Air Force, like you put a trouble ticket in and one year later. And ironically enough, when I did my ACSE virtually, the last, last week I got three tickets closed. I submitted those trouble tickets in 2019. So, <laughs> you know... Yeah, it, I mean, it, it, it's this is fun, you know, griping and complaining about. But, like, again, these problems, like, are systemic. And while it's, like, at the surface level with, like, oh, my trouble ticket got ignored for three years. Like, that can be painful, but it does translate across many things. So, having, like, leveraging innovation, leveraging modern times, if we're able to do that, it's something we have to do. I say we, you guys have to do it um, in order to be more efficient to fight the next fight in whatever Atlantic small island. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not even an island. Don't have to be an island. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it could be a, yeah. Yeah, whatever. It's yeah. Some theoretical destination. I don't know what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what uh, we had a CSS guy at my last base, uh, so command support staff, but he was a comm guy by trade. So he was in the shop, and he was he killed it. He did an amazing job, just very dedicated. So we were super lucky to have him. And he put in a trouble ticket. And then the next day, the trouble ticket was just closed. Yeah. Like they just said, complete. And he was livid. And I was like, gosh, I'm so glad you're the one. Because I would get in trouble if I was livid. But you can be livid and it's okay. So. Uh, Bender probably has a few stories. Because <laughs> I remember. I a lot of bridges now. <laughs> <laughs> Vader, this is one of my last experiences at Shaw. So the OG was down in my office a good bit through my building. And I, for whatever reason, Hack, I, I love Hack. Love hack. I, I was, I, hack was great. But I remember for whatever reason, he was down and Bender worked directly for Hack as the chief of OGV. Uh, but I forget, there was something that happened at the gate where I think the security forces, they weren't quite doing their job up to the standards, I think, that you interpreted. And Bender corrected him on it. And undoubtedly, like I'm, I'm sure Bender, Bender was in the right, but the way the Air Force worked, like their feelings were hurt. So they went to their boss, their boss went to their boss and it came all the way back over to Hack, who's like just worried about <laughs> fighter squadron, like production and generation and like all these other problems. He's like, oh gosh, <laughs> Bender. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There's a yeah. couple of times like that, but 
it's I don't know. Hack was really good at uh, kind of unleashing. I don't know. At some point, again, it goes kind of back to that leadership. Like you just got to push back. I know it costs Hack when that stuff happens. It does, but that's yeah. why he gets paid way more money than I get paid. Like, sorry, man, you're the <laughs> yeah. colonel. You got to take the crap. But he was good at that. He was. There was one time when we did a. Um, it was like a phase two. I can't remember, but we, so it's an exercise, right? So I was the commander of troops for this exercise. So we had like 90 maintainers and 15 of us pilots or whatever. And they had like four buses out. We had to be at the LRS staging area at this specific time. So we all climb onto the buses. It's freaking August in South Carolina. So it's hot as crap. None of the buses have ACs that work. So we pull up to the LRS to stage and I get off the bus. I'm like, okay, we're here. Like process us through. And they're like, oh, we don't like the paperwork hasn't printed out yet. So you just got to wait on the bus just for a minute while we print the paperwork. So I'm like, okay, whatever. Anyway, 45 minutes later, I'm like, where is this stupid paper? Like, this is ridiculous. Where is it? He's like, oh, we were having problems with the printer. We we're having problems with the system or whatever. I was like, well, we're coming in the building. He's like, you can't come in the building. Like, that's not how the checklist works. The checklist says like, we have to like read the printer paper or whatever for each person before they're allowed to come in the building. Anyway, I was like, well, we're not staying on the bus. So we're either coming to the building or we're leaving until you figure your crap out. He's like, well, you can't leave. Like, cause you have to be here at this time. I was like, that time was an hour ago and we're here and you won't accept <laughs> us. Uh, so, but we just kept going back and forth. He's like, well, you can't leave, but you can't come in. So I was like, okay, call me. Here's my cell phone. Call me. We'll be, we're leaving. He's like, you can't leave. You can't leave. You can't leave. But we just drove away all six buses. We drove back or however many it was. Drove back to the squadron. Everybody got off the bus. We all chilled in the bar or whatever. People got water, cooled off or whatever. And he, this is a lieutenant. Anyway, just like you described, he goes straight to his boss. He goes straight to the whatever commander it is that commands, what is that, MSG? LRS. Yeah, probably. That goes across the hack. And hack, <laughs> the next thing I know, I'm back in the vault. And my squadron commander comes in. He's like, what happened? I'm like, I don't know. What are we talking about? He's like, <laughs> Hack is waiting in my office. And he said, if I'm not back with you in the next like two minutes, he's going to lose it. So I'm like, oh crap. So I walk into the office and there's Hack sitting there just fuming, sweating, so mad. And I'm, he's like, what did you do? Like every 06 on this base is like, bend your page. He's freaking screwing <laughs> the entire base wide exercise up. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't understand what happened. But as soon as I explained the situation, I was like, we're sitting on these buses. There's no AC. They won't let us come in the building. Like, what? Do you, I'm the commander of troops. Like, don't I have the, like, I have the authority to wait here until they're ready, right? And he was like, yeah, I mean, that kind of makes sense. So, anyway, he had my back. It was awesome. He's like, if this yep. gets screwed up, if you don't show up by the time, you know, like, within five minutes of them calling, then I'm going to freaking have your hide. But until then, like, I'll go along with it. Anyway, it was yeah. awesome. Like, he had my back after he figured out the situation. And then it just, we sat for another hour and a half, like, thank goodness it wasn't on the buses. And we finally went back when they were ready for us or whatever. But I think that, again, it goes back to like, there's just so much inefficiency, so much crap that is just built into the system that at some point somebody needs to poke it and be like, this is bad. Like, we, we're not going to do this. Like, figure it out. Yeah. Do, do it better. The problem with it is like, there are not many guys like you who would do that because it's like, you know, it's going to stir the pot and the ramifications. Like, if you weren't on your, exit velocity out of the air force and like your next assignment depended upon it. Like guys are not necessarily willing to take those risks. And it goes back to the leadership piece you discussed in the beginning. Like I remember like the deployment, I didn't fly a jet over. I got to go around the big fat plane and we had to show up like four 30 in the morning and we departed 
I want to say at 3 p.m. Yeah. You know, to start the journey to go to Maine, get gas, and then Maine to Romania, and then Romania into theater. And you're like, it's a 36-hour day. Like, why did we show up so early? Like, you don't have to show up two hours at the airport to get on a flight. Like, I know you're worried about some airman oversleeping, but, like, okay, we can pad it by an hour for someone to run to his house and get him. Like, do we really need eight hours? But it's so inefficient, it turns out, I guess. But, yeah, it's ridiculous. My my one hack story, I kicked the hornet's nest in maintenance. I had a guy who I was trying to do a uh, MSN for uh, who was my superintendent. Phenomenal job doing stuff well outside his career. Like, you know, he's speaking in front of millions of people doing a great job. Well, um, like six years prior, he still was at Shaw when he was a tech sergeant. He had a PT fail, right? So that was a ding. But then turns out every subsequent year after that didn't fail his PT test and was crushing it. And the way at the time I had to write the award and then send it through the maintenance group who went through some E7s and they're like, nah, he had a PT fail. We're not putting him up. I'm like, like, is this a one mistake Air Force? Like, we're not really looking at why I'm writing this award. So this thing got hung up. Like I was on the road a bunch and I would email this guy or, you know, call him like, hey, just checking on the status, yada, yada. Well, nothing was happening. So finally, you know, I mean, not necessarily the right way to do this. But since I had the wing commander in my office all the time, like, hey, sir, oh, by the way, I got this going on. And he goes, oh, just send it to me. I'll sign it right away. So me, I'm like, yes, I know what this is going to do. So I send it right to him. He signs it right away. And I have it in hand. And I I call down to the maintenance group. And I'm like, hey, Sergeant so-and-so, no need to keep working it. I already got it signed. It's all approved. And I knew, like, it was going to go through the roof. So I called Hack. I was like, hey, sir, just so you know, I kicked the hornet's nest, you'll probably hear something about this in about 30 minutes to tomorrow. And turns out, lo and behold, they did. It's like, yeah, Major Waters is just down there doing whatever he wants. Like, well, yeah, you guys are being down. Like, I was, I feel like I was in the right there. And since Wing Commander signed it, like, I think that validated it. Yeah. But guys, you know, tend to like, it's tough to go against the grain. And that mine wasn't as complicated as yours. I know the exercise, definitely, that got a lot of scrutiny, but I don't know. Can we create an app for that? Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the tough part. The, uh, you know, I think it's exactly, you both did the exact same thing. You both were taking care of your people. You're looking after your people. And you just said like, this doesn't make sense for my people. I know what makes sense. I'm going to work and even take some risk to do what I believe is best. And I think that is, that is good. That's what a a good leader does. And I think there's a ton of good leaders in the Air Force. I think the, the unfortunate part is there's a lot of bureaucracy. So even though there's a ton of good leaders in the Air Force, the bureaucracy can even stymie them and stifle them. Um, so, yeah, again, you, that is that that would be a tough thing to innovate out. Yeah, you can only get punched in the face so many times before you're like, you know what, like I'm just not going to die on this hill. But you know, it is what it yeah. is. Yeah, I think that's why. I mean, I want to be there for the big fight. You know what I mean? I think that's why we're all still attached in some yeah. capacity to the Air Force. Like when you really value my time and my, you know, all the training that I have and all that stuff. And it's time to go. I'll be there. I'll be like pretty bad at it compared to most people, whatever. I'm going to be there. Uh, but all <laughs> right. the other, it turns out like I can fly fighters and be ready for the fight when they need me and, you know, chaff off all the other stuff, protect my family from all that stuff that you're talking, you know, like it just yeah. costs so much and it's fine. Some guys can make it happen. Uh, you know, I couldn't, 
Same. And that there's no hit on the guys that keep doing it. And I don't think there's a hit on us, you know, like we're, everybody's trying to do their best. So that's, that's the good part, I guess, is you, there's still, there's still a connection that most of us have to the Air Force. We really do want it to be better. I sincerely want it to be better. Uh, not so good that we can't have like salty sessions, but right. You know, yes. Honestly, yeah. We'll figure out. Yeah. Right. Well, we, it can't be, yeah, we complain. Yeah. We can complain about pretty and, much anything. Yeah. So we're like, we're safe there. Yeah. Hey, here's a suitcase full of money and you live on this island. Well, I'm going to find something to complain about because the breeze isn't that great or whatever it is. Yeah, that's right. And then that way, you know, you can trust me. That's, I mean, that's pieces. Like you want to make it better because I mean, it's a great, it's a great gig. There's just a lot of things that could be better. Lots. Could make things. Yeah. Lots yeah. better too. Well, and I think <laughs> yeah, like that is significant improvements. <laughs> that is one of the things that I found in that kind of innovation space is again, sadly, this was the reality of it but also good on them for realizing it is when you do these cyber programs, when you work for this AFWorks program, you go, you don't work with your local contracting office. Yeah. So you have no interface. It's, Hey, I have this company. You go on the AFWorks website, you download the cyber documents, the company fills them out. You write a letter that says, Hey, we want this thing. And the contract goes to AFWorks, not local contracting and either gets, Uh, They all get racked and stacked and then then it gets approved or not. And that's it. So you don't have to kind of get the runaround and it's, hey, you've got to bid this across three different companies. Because again, contracting is not doing that to ruin your life. They're doing it because they have rules and AFWorks, they have different requirements. So they just made it more streamlined. So it was a smart way to attack it. Yeah. And I had a little bit of exposure, my initial reserve job transitioning, doing stuff with AFWorks and the innovation piece of it, which I saw how, how efficient it was is like, Hey, here's an idea. We can quickly allocate money to this idea and see if it has viability and bring it, bring it to market, if you will. And that's piece on the outside. And you know, I do, you guys know, I do some other stuff and like business wise, if you have a need or a requirement to make your business more money or more efficient, save money, whatever it might be, whatever that requirement you're looking for, you then go seek it. You're going to weigh your options and then quickly allocate resources to acquire that program, that process, that system, that person, whatever it might be, because you want to win. The bureaucracy of the military, like contracting, like I saw guys who are going through the contracting training. And again, that's like logging onto an F-35 computer, it sounds like, but I have someone yeah. screaming in your ear, like just excruciating. But the, you know they're worried about their nearest alligator to the boat. They're not worried about yours. And then you're, wor- like, you're worried about being an F-35 pilot or an F-16 pilot. And like, you can't really allocate your full bandwidth. So like an AFWorks piece, like that's really what needs, like you, you just chop away the bureaucracy. It's like, you need this. All right, we're going to go try it, you know? And then now that didn't work, we're going to pivot, fire that company. We're going to try it here. Um, But again, if, you know, we can't pass a budget or plan in the future, those things, I mean, it just trickles down. And then we have so many AFIs and that's the other piece, you know, it seemed like it was a big buzz for a while, you know, chief golfing to cut, you know, the air force instructions and, you know, reduce the manuals because fair guess. And I don't know if it's true or not, but you know, over the cold war on, like people just kept writing regulations they had nothing to do. The force was twice the size. No one was deploying. You go TDY every now and then So like, well, you know what? We need a rule for that. So like, let's write a regulation. And that stuff just built and built upon it. Cause examples like I, the demo, we had a waiver for a shorter runway and a narrow runway. 
that was in the demo rag. That's like an A3 rag. And then there's 11-2 F-16 Vol 3, which I don't know who, I guess the A3 also owns that. And not that they're contradicting one another, but like the Eielson guys were trying to figure out how they could use that to accept a narrower runway because it was taking too long to plow all the snow off, which sounds terrible. But again, like it's so cumbersome and you're trying to be a lawyer trying to figure out who to do it. And I know there was, there were some wins like push down to the lowest authority, get rid of that. But like it kind of stopped after a while again, bandwidth, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's like, uh, I think one common problem is airfield driving. Like, for some reason, everybody needs airfield driving. And it's always a nightmare. And at my last base, there was literally a POV, like a personally owned vehicle crossing. And there were lights and sirens. And it's it's like, the test could be two things. You know, right. do you go when the lights and sirens are on? <laughs> no. Okay, you pass. Congratulations. You know, you know so. the funny thing is I had to do the air. The only time I did the airfield driving test was in Columbus when I was a T-38 student to drive out to the RSU. Fast forward, I'm doing the air show at Whiteman Air Force Base. And we land and then go into base ops and it's an air force base. They're making everyone get an airfield driver's license to drive on the ramp, like civilian performers and stuff. I'm like, you want me to take the airfield driving test? Like you do realize, and this is like the standard joke. Like I drive around the airfield all the time. It just happens to be in a $50 million jet or $150 million jet Bender's case. Like, I think I got it. But they're like, Oh, well, have you ever had one? I'm like, I, I think they were able to look it up. They actually pulled it out of the database from Columbus. I'm like, they have a dad. Yeah, like, hey. Yeah. Because, you know, at Shaw, yeah. when they bought the golf carts and those are zipping down the flight lines, it turns out uh, <laughs> that became a thing. Yeah. I was like, I had a, always the maintainers drove me. I'm like, I don't have a license to drive. You know, so yeah. <laughs> got to use the maintainers for their airfield driver's license. Yeah. yeah. We got, yep. Yeah. I think the golf carts, I think there's multiple, not mishaps, yeah. but lots of people without yeah. licenses driving around Shaw it became a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I took mine to yeah. Sawa and I had to do a drive along with the guy. So he's like, why don't you try this radio call the tower or whatever? So I'm like, blah, 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 blah. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> That's not how you call the tower. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Like, airman. You, like, you do realize, yeah. yeah. that Yeah, it's, it's like that stuff. But, you know, this guy's been empowered. And if you say anything, like, you're going to hear it. Like, because it's going to go all the way up and then all the way back down. So... That's why I think the brains are different. Like they actually can be like, nope, sergeant, not going to do that. And like, yes, sir. And like yeah. salute and go on, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's what I was talking to one of my buddies. Uh, and he was a Marine, you know, uh, pilot, but he, what he said was that is the case. You know, it's very much like, yep. The, the rank structure is very rigid, but you as the officer, you have to keep your stuff in order. So your hair has to be in regs. Like if you're walking around, you know, not doing something correctly, they are going to bring it up because they are in the right. And uh, so he, so that's probably why you always see the guys with like every Sunday they get a new haircut because come Monday they don't want to be the guy. (laughs) (laughs) So I I always, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I always, I always war with myself on the fact that do I, do I want to enjoy the benefits of being in the Marines while having to deal with the consequences of having to be a good officer, like, ooh, that's yeah. a tough one. Yeah. Maybe I just take the Air Force lackadaisical military structure. <laughs> and you, like, I guess in the Marines, like, you could end up on a ship somewhere for months yeah. and months. Yeah, long time. Yeah, and, like, uh, really doing work. But not that we don't do work, but 
Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> well, Hey, I think we'll wrap up here. Any parting shots for the Kodiak shack? You know, it's like Kodiak shack.com, right? Yep. Find Vader over there. And I'm looking forward to whatever, you know, platform you put on that website for people to voice their complaints and concerns. Hopefully like it's a graphic. That's like a bar napkin. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, so again, these are freebies I've just thrown out there, yeah, but any parting shots for the old Kodiak shack? Yeah. I'd say again, just a Vader at Kodiak shack.com is uh, my email. So you can email me there and, and let us know if you know of a good program, uh, that's, that's doing good things that you think we should, uh, have on the show. Or if you just want to give us some feedback, uh, Bender is our website guy. So he, uh, he's going to make all of these things. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, the odds of me putting soon. anything on there <laughs> isn't in the default <laughs> Wix is, you know, pretty unlikely. Yeah, Bender and I, yeah, we we both have full-time jobs. We both have families and everything. So uh, much like Rain, you know, we're we're going to do our very best to put out content as frequently as possible. Uh, but as, as long as there are people who want to uh, come on and voice what they're working on or what they need worked on, uh, we will we will put out all the podcasts we can uh, to try to just give people some exposure, give sp- some people some experience of, of what the warfighters are working on because it is cool. There are a lot of cool programs that even talking to fellow fighter pilots, they're like, that's awesome. And uh, so I think a lot of people, even beyond the innovation world, uh, would get a kick out of hearing what is going on yep. and kind of what struggles that we face on a day to day and just how comical they can be. Like why my DTC for the F 16, the little data the cartridge or whatever it is, is the size of my boot. Yeah. Nothing little about it. <laughs> 20. Yeah. 2022. So uh, 32 megabytes. That. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because the F 35s data cartridge is the same exact data cartridge. The insides are different because it holds, you know, who knows how much information, but they're like, that seems like a megabytes. shape. Let's just do that. Yeah. One. Yeah. Make it. So it's the same. It's literally the exact yeah. same. It's just literally more. It, it's like one gig or but, something. Yeah, probably a terabyte. I have no idea. Yeah, I do know. With the, you would hope at this point. That every, so one of the great things about the F-35, sorry, I'm digressing definitely from closing this out. But. This is good because it probably has the same proprietary little batteries too in there as well. But yeah, go yeah. ahead. Yeah. That's super painful. But in the F-16, you can red ball, you know, every, like, you know, it's like avionics. They're going to come work on a system or fuels or whatever. And that 35, you just, some guys, not, not me, I'm better than this, but okay. It's me. You don't need Red Bull. You just call Red Bull and they come over. It doesn't matter what it is. It could be fuel, it could be hydraulics, it could be avionics. It doesn't matter. The first thing is like, I'm going to have you restart the jet. And that's it. Like, that's the Red Bull. So it's always the same. And so it's restart the jet and give you a new giant can. <laughs> could be the can. It's probably the giant airplane and all the computers involved, but it could be the can. So start the jet and here's your new can. That's how we deal with all maintenance problems in the F-35. It's very advanced. Turn it off, turn it back on. The entire thing, yeah. It takes a long time, too. It's like booting a 1994 Windows, whatever, Windows 97 back in the day. Yeah. Well, I've told this story. It's like I'm sitting next to Dojo in an F-35. This is an air show story, but I'm flipping switches, which the ground ops and the Viper for air show is much faster, but you're still flipping a lot of switches, doing, you know, flick us bits and such. And Dojo is just like sitting there. And I assume the helmet was molding his hair to perfection because much like Vader's hair, like his is immaculate. <laughs> I don't know what's, yeah, it was, it was yeah. very nice. And, uh, he's just sitting, staring straight ahead, like motionless. I'm like, what are you doing in there? 
He goes, I was just waiting for the jet to restart. Like I had to reboot the computer. And he was like, it was like 15 minutes of just watching the computer yeah. boot. And then I guess like typing in his password, like hoping he doesn't forget it. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> Offline, I'll tell you stories about passwords. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, awesome. Well, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was good chatting. We'll have to do this again. But again, check out the Kodiak Shack. You know, with any kind of podcasting, it's always a learning curve. But no matter what you think, when you listen on iTunes and Spotify, leave them a five-star review because it's like the gerbil or Pablo's dog. It'll get them to keep going back and producing episodes if they get that five-star review. So drop a review, help them out. Boom. Thanks, Rain. Boom. Yep. It was fun, guys. I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was awesome. Thanks, Rain. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Don't forget, drop a rating review over on iTunes and Spotify. It helps the show grow.